0: Welcome to Episode 9 of Aneptus Astartis. I'm your host, Ned, and wow, this one's been a long time coming. The Ides of March are upon us. Illness, plague, all sorts of other stuff going on here at the Aneptus Astartis. Happy home, and I hope you're doing well. Um, We are just two weeks away from Adepticon, and I am feeling the pinch. I'm feeling the burn. I'm hoping to get this out. I'm hoping to get this episode out and then get one more out, Right before Adepticon happens, hope you're all doing very well with that, so we're just going to get to it real fast. We're going to have one listener question, and then we're going to have um, the wrap-up of the Centurion stuff with all of the fantastic librarian business that you could possibly want or ever ask for. And then a little bit of a, a special treat is a discussion with my friend Ben as we finish our very last Beta Garmin game before Adepticon. So, without further ado, here we go. Okay, so starting off, I would just like to, I'm just going to do one question today, uh, and it's actually in relation to a a conversation that I started last episode. Last episode, we were talking about Contemptors more, and one of the suggestions I made for a way to nerf Contemptors was to increase the weapon skill of Terminators by one point to uh, basically all, all Terminators are weapon skill five. The reason I suggested this was because Terminators, classically or in the lore, or as they're sort of expected to be, they're supposed to be a very tough, very durable unit that's very killy. And I mean, pretty much anybody should be able to take a couple, a squad of Terminators, and it should be a fearsome threat, right? It makes sense that they be that way. But in this edition, with the standard Cataphracti and Tartarus Terminator squads being weapon skill four, there's a lot of things that outclass them and they have a really hard time hitting back and then one of those things is the dreadnought of course so one of the things to, to pay attention to is that and, and i actually did the math so i can actually talk about this like i know what i'm talking about the weapon skill boost from four to five is actually mathematically a better protection from a dreadnought's power fist than a four plus invulnerable save which is dumb to say aloud but it's true if you got a contemptor with two fists they're charging into attack They have 5 attacks. With this Contemptor's standard weapon skill of 5 against the standard weapon skill of 4 for regular Terminators, they're hitting 66% of the time, which results in roughly 3.5 hits. When you factor in the fact that it's going to be a 2 plus to wound, then you're looking at almost 3 wounds. And then from there, for each one of those nearly 3 wounds, a Cataphractic Terminator, even with their 4 plus invulnerable save because of that brutal 3, They only have a 12% chance to save with that 4 plus invulnerable save. So effectively, if a Dreadnought with two close combat weapons charges a squad of Terminators, they are very likely going to kill three Terminators, um, regardless of invulnerable saves, whatever, because of that brutal 3, because of the weapon skill differential, whatever. However, if you take that same squad, increase its weapon skill to 5 from 4, then they are likely to only have two dead Terminators, roughly. And that's ignoring the ability for them to save anything at all. So mathematically speaking, a Weapon Skill 5 is a better defense than a 4-plus invulnerable save. This, I think, further highlights the problem with Brutal. As a mechanic, it's really freaking hard to get around. Because it just, it nearly guarantees that you are going to fail against it. And it's really scary. Because Dreadnoughts have everything else under the sun as well, then this becomes the problem. But what it does tell me, and now I'm starting to think about this, I'm not sure if this is true or not, is that if I'm going to try to kill Dreadnoughts, then I don't necessarily, in hand to hand combat, need to worry so much about invulnerable saves on my units that I'm throwing against them because they're going to die anyway. So what other units, just generic units, can I get that are cheaper that have at least a weapon skill 5 that could take weapons that would make it easier for them to cut down a Dreadnought? Veteran squads, for example? Is that the way to go? I'm not so sure, but it's something to think about. But regardless, that is why I said that weapon skill 5 would be a good way and a good fix for Terminators in general, and I do stand by that even outside of the discussion of Contemptor Dreadnoughts. Okay, we're going to jump now into the Centurion stuff and talk about the Consul Librarian. The Consul Librarian, the the Legion Librarian, is a 45-point upgrade, and you gain the Psyker subtype special rule and may also select a single core psychic discipline from the following list of Biomancy, Divination, Pyromancy, Telekinesis, Telepathy, or Thaumaturgy. And in addition, of course, there are some Legions that have special rules on the side. We're not going to cover those today. I'm going to put those into a separate video talking about the Legion-specific Centurions and upgrades, so we'll talk about that later. In addition to that War Gear, a Legion Librarian may replace a Power Weapon, Pistol, or combi bolter with a Force Weapon at no additional cost, in addition, they can select a psychic hood for 15 points. More on that gear later, but it's important to note that you don't get, get the free power weapon, but you get a free upgrade to the power weapon. So before we go any farther, th- there are quite a few terms and concepts attached to the idea of psychic powers that we really need to discuss and talk about. So first of all, psychic powers... There's a lot of different things that they can do, but basically there are psychic attacks, weapons, or powers, and you must be a psyker to do those things. So a psyker is, and this is just from the rulebook, it's a unique subtype that can be applied to a model of any other unit type. It is used to indicate models that are capable of, duh, using psychic powers and weapons. On its own, a subtype grants no abilities and rules, but many other rules, weapons, and abilities were target or require a model with this subtype in order to be used. Often a rule will reference or target a Psyker, and this means any model with a Psyker subtype. I'm glad that they lay that out clearly, but whatever, moving on. Models that are or can become Psykers are also given the option to acquire other abilities or attacks that require that unit subtype. So the following examples are common ones that have Psyker subtypes. Legion Centurions with the library and console upgrade, which we're talking about today, Ruin Storm Demon Lords or Imperial Militia Rogue Psychers. Wouldn't it be nice to see the Ruin Storm Demon Lord character sheet? Sidebar. Sorry, getting back on topic. Okay. Throughout the rules for Psychers, there are references to psychic checks. A psychic check is a leadership test and is taken in exactly the same way as any other check except special rules that allow a model to modify or automatically pass leadership tests have no effect on psychic checks. So you can't use modifiers on leadership tests, or I'm sorry, to be specific here, you can't use modifiers to modify a psychic check unless it specifically says it's modifying that psychic check. So the most common form of psychic powers are psychic weapons, um, and they can be all sorts of things. They use basically the exact same characteristics that weapons use, um, but they have some special rules and tags, of course, that are different. A Psyker that gains a Psychic Weapon is equipped with it in the same manner as any other model. A model that has a Psyker type may use make shooting attacks using any ranged Psychic Weapons available to it. Or more than one if the model has, like, you know, uh, firing protocols or whatever that's called. Or during the Assault Phase, a Psyker can make an attack using a Psychic Weapon with a Melee type. In close combat, a Psychic Weapon with a Melee type does count for deciding if a model has more than one weapon but obeys all the usual restrictions, which is good to note. So if you've got a pistol and a psychic weapon, you're getting one additional attack. However, a psychic weapon can never be destroyed or removed unless a rule specifically targets a psychic weapon, and this does not apply to force weapons, which is interesting. I wonder if that's just future-proofing. In most cases, the psychic disciplines apply one or more psychic weapons as a part of their abilities. Basically, you're going to get like an ability. Usually, it seems like you're going to get a a shooting attack and then another sort of attack, and sometimes two. We'll we'll talk about it in a little bit. Psychic powers are keyed to the discipline that you take. Every Psyker gets the basic Etheric Lightning ability, but then there's additional ones that we will describe in the disciplines, and we're only going to talk about the six basic ones today, some of the ones that are specific. We'll get to those later when we talk about Legion-specific consoles. Now, you can suffer what's called a Perils of the Warp if you fail your test. And Perils of the Warp is a special rule. I mean, it represents the warp like feeding back into your Psyker. And the way that works is Perils of the Warp is when a model suffers Perils of the Warp, it receives D3 wounds against which only invulnerable saves may be taken, including no damage mitigation rolls are allowed. So no feel no pain from your apothecary. These wounds may be allocated to any model in that unit, including models without the Psyker subtype, in the same manner as those received during a shooting attack. If the Psyker is a vehicle, it's D3 hull points instead. Also, only invulnerable saves can be taken. So, if you have a librarian in a squad, you can choose to kill off, like, tactical marines or something, rather than killing off your Psyker, which is nice, because I think you're going to peril a lot more in this edition than you would otherwise. Okay, so here are some additional rules that we're just going to generally note. The concept of force. Another rule that you're going to want to hear, or you're going to hear reference, so we're just going to cover it all now, is the force rule. Any psyker with a weapon or ability with this special rule may choose to make a psychic check before making any attacks or resolving that ability. And if it's successful, then the attack's strength doubles. If it fails, then you take uh, perils of the warp, re- um, resolved at the targeting unit, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. If the Psyker survives Parallels of the Warp, they can still swing with their Force Axe or Force Weapon or Force whatever shooting thing they're doing, but that's what Force does. Another thing we should talk about is Psychic Focus. Some abilities will just require Psychic Checks, and some of them don't even necessarily require Psychic Checks. Some of them just go off, but they have an augmented thing that they do if you choose to go that extra mile. So you don't necessarily have to take a Psychic Check to have some benefit, but to get the maximum benefit you need to. Psychic focus is an ability where you must take the psychic check to even have the thing happen at all. okay? So before even uh, before even starting, psychic focus, that requires that that role must be must be made. All right, with those things out of the way, let's get started and talk about biomancy. So biomancy has two powers, the biomantic augmentation and the biomancer's rage. Biomantic Augmentation is an interesting one, and this is the one that you can do for free. You don't have to test for it. Instead of making a shooting attack, so this is done in the shooting phase, a psyker with this psychic power may select a single friendly unit within six inches, not necessarily the one they're in, but any within six inches, and increase that unit's strength for one for the duration of the current player turn. If you choose to psychic check on this thing, then you can increase both strength and toughness. Or the duration of the current player's turn. So they say that several times the current player's turn. What's interesting about that is that because it can be done in exchange for a shooting attack, my read on this is that theoretically, if you are returning fire with a squad that contains this model, you could instead choose to use biomantic augmentation. Um, let me know if you think that's correct. Anyway. This is nice because no matter what, you can guarantee a plus one to strength. There are lots of units that could really benefit from the force multiplication of having a plus one to wound. And this means that you could put a Biomancy Librarian in almost any squad with a fair number of attacks and get a nice little benefit out of it. You don't necessarily need to risk taking those wounds by taking the check, but um, you could also add some survivability if you so wished, but not required to get something out of it. The next one is Biomancer's Rage, and this is a melee weapon uh, with psychic focus. It's strength 10, AP 4, melee, but rending 4+. So this is a pretty strong ability. It does have rending 4+, but you do have to test on it to, to do it at all. And if you fail, you don't get to do the thing. So... Mm, there's a good shot to do it and get it because you're just taking a standard leadership test. So on your librarian, that's going to be leadership nine. So you got a good shot to make it, but it is a risk. Biomancer's Rage, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, But let's talk about the rest. The next one is Divination. And Divination has a psychic power and a psychic weapon. The first one, Divinatory Aegis, instead of making a shooting attack, a psyker with a psychic power may select a single friendly unit within 12 inches. The target unit then gains the precision strike six plus and precision shots six plus special rule for the duration of the current player turn. As a refresher, those rules: um, precision strikes is for melee combat, and precision shots is for shooting attacks. And so, basically, means whatever you, whenever you roll that number, so a six, then you get to allocate where that hit goes. So, it allows you to pull. Uh, it's the sniper rule essentially, and it allows you to pull out. Uh, and target specific models within a unit regardless. if you want to, you can then take a psychic check and then it bumps up for both of them to 5 plus. So same thing as before you can get the six plus precision strikes or shots and shots or you can test on it and get a five up which is quite a bit better than a six up still not like a fantastic ability and but you do have to worry about taking a perils of the warp test. This isn't bad. It's definitely depending, I guess, on the unit. It would be really interesting to put this on, like a, uh, you know, some sort of massive melee squad, for example, giving precision strikes to like corn berserkers or something. It was, or you know, berserker marines, world leaders. Sorry, I'm flipping my 40k and 30k together here. But regardless, like there's there's a space for it. It would be fun. The next one up is Diviner's Dart, and it is a it's a specific weapon. It's got guided fire, so it ignores line of sight, which is cool. 18-inch range, strength 6, AP 2, assault 1, sniper, and psychic focus. So you have to roll the psychic check to do this before you roll this, the hit roll. If it's passed, then it works as normal. Um, this is interesting because it's it's got sniper, it's AP 2, it's strength 6. All of those things mean pretty well. Um, it being an assault weapon... You're going to have a high ballistic skill on this model, likely to use it. Probably ballistic skill five. It's got strength six, so against most marine bodies or worse, uh, it's going to wound on a two. It has sniper, so you get to pick exactly where it goes, and you don't necessarily need line of sight for it. So, dealing one wound to one model to prevent it or take it out from, you know, combat before you charge that squad or whatever you want to pre-assassinate a sergeant. It's pretty cool. Uh, pretty interesting. Definitely has its uses because it doesn't have instant death. It's only one wound. It has limited applications outside of just killing a one wound model or something like that, or just causing a little bit of chip damage before you go in to finish something off. But, you know, it has its place, perhaps. The next up is the Pyromancy Discipline. And this, again, two different abilities. The first one here is Pyromantic Combustion. Instead of making a shooting attack, a Psyker with the psychic power can place a large blast, which is a 5-inch marker, anywhere on the battlefield that is entirely within 18 inches of the Psyker and within line of sight of that Psyker. So what's interesting to me is, and someone should tell me if I'm reading this incorrectly, but my understanding is you have to place the large blast anywhere that is entirely within 18 inches. So that means the far edge of the blast marker. So realistically, um, it can at most be... What would that be 15 and a half inches away from wherever your character is am i doing math right there anyway once placed the scatter uh markers d6 to determine its final position and leave it on place the area under the marker counts as difficult terrain until the controlling player's next shooting phase any model friendly enemy or whatever under the position takes suffers a strength 6 ap4 hit when using the psychic power, the player may choose to have the psyker take a test before and then, then you can do up to three large 5-inch blast markers. So that's pretty interesting. Any model under more than one blast marker suffers one hit for each blast marker, etc. So this is a really interesting, like, big impact sort of thing. Strength 6 AP4 is nothing to scoff at. As said... You're going to wound everything underneath there at a 2+, plus probably, if you're targeting Marines or weaker models. Having three blast markers like this is actually a pretty funny little bit of devastation. And if nothing else, it's super cinematic for a pyromancy librarian. I really like that. The next option is the Pyromantic Desolation. And this is a melee strike. It is Strength 6, AP 3, melee, unwieldy. It has the rules Pyromantic Desolation. And it has psychic focus, of course. So it's the same thing as before. You're going to have to take the test. So pyromantic Desolation says, in addition to attacking normally in the assault phase at the beginning of the initiative step at which you use this uh, weapon, before the pylon moves or attacks are made, you place a three-inch blast marker centered on the attacking model. All other models wholly or partially under the marker friendly or enemy suffer an automatic hit with the profile shown. These hits are resolved immediately and do not count for the purpose of the resolving the attack or the assault. Once they resolve, the model may pile in and make any other attacks as normal. So this just is like a little Nova that the character puts out for themselves before the thing starts. And at AP3 Strength 6, if you're going against standard-bodied power armor Marines, you're going to kill a couple of them probably before the fight even begins. Now, it will. you're going to have to be careful about your pylons here or your your spacing because this happens. Let's see here. It happens before any pile-in moves occur. So if you are charging or are charged, you will need to be careful about how this works and because you could be hurting your own models. Now, the interesting thing here though is that you're gonna have to, if you wanna use this, if you wanna use a pyromantic librarian, then you are going to have to be cognizant of this when you are moving these models, especially if you think you're going to be baiting a charge or taking a charge in the next turn. You're probably going to want to put this character way up in front because otherwise it will be too easy for your your opponents to like avoid getting that close to this model and so avoid the teeth of this little rule. It's not like a super devastating ability and pyromancy on the whole is probably okay with some cool options and definitely cool images and cinematics to go along with it, but you know, there's definitely there's definitely more powerful disciplines. Moving on, we're going to talk about telekinesis. So, telekinesis again, two powers. The first one is the telekine dome. And instead of moving during the movement phase, a psyker with this psychic power can instead activate this psychic power. All models, friendly and enemy, that are within eight inches of the psyker gain a six plus and invulnerable save when targeted by any model that is not also within six inches of the psyker. If the psyker moves, makes a shooting attack, charges, or is successfully charges, then the psychic power ends. Otherwise, it remains in effect indefinitely. When initially using the psychic power the start of any controlling player's subsequent movement phase while it is still in effect, the player may choose to have the psyker take a psychic check. If this is passed, then the models affected by the psychic power gain a 4-plus invulnerable save instead of a 6-plus invulnerable save. If the check is failed, then the psyker suffers perils of the warp, and the psychic power ends immediately. Okay. A 4-plus invulnerable save on demand is no joke. Now, within eight inches is actually a pretty big bubble and chunk, so you can actually apply this to multiple models. Uh, you could hit big squads with this. As a matter of fact, you can hit more than one squad because it's an area of effect ability. So the buff power of this here is pretty excellent. The biggest thing is that again, the lack of mobility and use of it—it it doesn't grant it, you know, um, to like a a squad that can then, you know, charge into combat or take advantage of this, that is that is a bit troubling or a bit problematic, I think. Is it useful defensive power? Absolutely. Does, is 8 inches as a bubble a pretty impressive amount of space with which to safeguard your models and units? 100%. It does, however, require that test, which is something that you're not going to hit every time, so it's not something you can necessarily guarantee or count on 100% of the time. Still powerful, though. I think this ability definitely shows its value more in certain types of lists as when compared to others, though. I mean, if you are playing an army that has a static gun line or even a line of vehicles, um, you know, who doesn't want a 4-plus invulnerable save for a heavy support squad or a line of predator tanks or whirlwind Scorpiuses? Or, I mean, it just says within 8 inches, so a fell blade. I mean, wh- whatever's out there. Make sure that it's touching or within that eight inch bubble and you can give something a four plus invulnerable save. And the really crazy thing about this rule, of course, is to go back and look at the wording, it lasts indefinitely. So you can pass one leadership test for a psychic check on this power. And if you're comfortable letting that librarian just stand there and wait and hold the line, then um, they can provide that area of protection for the entirety of the game if nothing comes to charge them, interrupt them, or whatever else. That's, that's actually a remarkable a remarkable thing. Now, if you think about the fact that we're talking about a Centurion plus the upgrade of the Librarian, um, you might give it more war gear, you might leave it stock. Um, but if that's the case, I mean, would you be willing to spend a little bit over 100 points to give you know, a super heavy um, one or two squads in another vehicle a 4-plus invulnerable save for a game? I think that's a good deal. I think it's definitely something interesting to think about for those kinds of lists. Okay, telekines Focus. Telekines Focus is the weapon, and this is a ranged weapon uh, option for the telekinetic force. It is a 24 inch range, strength eight, AP four, heavy one, sunder, blast three inch, and psychic focus. So 24 inches, strength eight, uh, blast is not bad. It does have sunder, so you're going to be able to re-roll your penetration rolls on armor, but it has no AP, so you're never going to be able to destroy something. At most, you're going to be inflicting one wound, one armor hull point, whatever, onto a vehicle. I don't really rate this power very much. Because it's AP-4, you're not going to be able to use it to squish Terminators or something or Command Squad equivalents. You can't even guarantee that you're going to kill regular Space Marines. It's only a 24-inch range, so you're going to have to be relatively danger close. It's a heavy one ability, so again, you're standing still. It's just not good. It's just not good. So, I mean, to clarify my point earlier about the AP thing, because it's AP-4 and because of the damage chart works on the vehicles, if, if if you listeners are a little unfamiliar... Um, you can take a whole point off of something, but you don't ever get a bonus to roll on the vehicle damage table, meaning you're not going to be able to potentially just, like, get a lucky kill on a tank. If this is AP1, that would be an entirely other other thing for all sorts of reasons. The other thing to point out here about why this power is so stupid is the fact that by shooting a weapon or using this ability, you actually turn off the telekinetic dome power that you're using to protect whatever it is that's around you. So there is actually no use for this power and no reason to use it in any way, shape, or form. It's not effective. It's not going to do enough to justify its use, and it will shut off the defensive ability that theoretically is the reason you would take this librarian over another. There are other librarian powers that have better offensive capabilities in a lot of other regards. There are better buffs to use other places if you so wish. But if this is going to be a defensive unit that is used to protect your backline or whatever, you can't use this power without making the benefit, the good psychic power from this discipline invalid. So if you're playing a telekinetic, forget this power exists. Next up, we have the, well, we're gonna skip. We're gonna go to Thaumaturgy. Okay, Thaumaturgy, Thaumaturgic Sucker, I apologize. Instead of making a shooting attack, a Psyker with a psychic power may select a single friendly unit with at least one model within 12 inches and make a psychic check. If the psychic check is passed, then all non-vehicle models in the target unit may roll a D6. On a 5-up, that model regains a single lost wound. This ability cannot be used to increase a model's wounds beyond its starting wound characteristic. Okay. So first off, you're targeting one single unit, and every model in that unit gets a chance to roll, and in a 5-up, they essentially get a free it-will-not-die roll. Okay. That's not bad. That's kind of cool. But there are a couple of, I don't know, issues or complications, things that are going to make this less useful than you might think. So first of all, because of the way wound allocation works, you are not likely to be able to put a lot of wounds on a lot of different models. So... Like, for example, let's say you've got a squad of fire drakes. Wait, actually, are fire drakes characters? No, fire drakes are not characters. Okay, so fire drakes are not characters. So you're going to be able to put, like, you're going to have one guy who's taking on wounds at a time. You could use the psychic power and then allow that one person who's wounded to, on a five-up, save one of their wounds. But in most squads, um, multi-wound squads like Terminators or whatever else, you are effectively only getting one use out of this. Now, there are some squads that are different. Like So, for example, let's say you are using a squad of, I believe, Suzerains have the character keyword. I think that... who else does? Oh, the special Dark Angels, synobium Knights also have that keyword. So, if you have taken multiple wounds on that unit, then you would get a chance to get more benefit out of this rule. So, this power average to, to not very good... Unless you are fielding one of a few units, and even then, it's sort of a small chance or small case situation to be able to really make use of it. Okay, the weapon is a template weapon, ranged, a ranged attack, strength 4, AP 3, assault 1, sanctic, and psychic focus. So the sanctic rule says, a weapon with a special rule always wounds demons on a 2+. And any successful invulnerable saves made by demons models against any wounds it inflicts must be re-rolled. So this is really interesting and perhaps really powerful against, well, an army that we don't have rules for yet. So Thaumaturgy is not something that's really easy to assess in its power because at least one of the rules has almost no direct application whatsoever. Um, Thaumaturgic Sucker is okay. I think, in some situations, but pointless in others. And then again, Thaumaturge is cleansing. Let's come back and talk about this again once there's actually rules for demons. All right, here's the one that most of you have been waiting for. You've probably already heard that the, the average Horus heresy enjoyer believes that the telepathy psychic discipline is the best. And it's hard to say they're wrong telepathy has two pretty darn good powers so the first one is the telepathic fugue telepathic fugue once per turn at the start of any phase the psyker with this psychic powers controlling player may select a single unit enemy unit within 24 inches and line of sight of the psyker and take a psychic check so psychic check 100 percent required if the check is passed then the target may not make any reactions for the duration of that phase If the check is failed, then the Psyker suffers Perils of the Warp. Okay, this is very good. This is just unbelievably good. The ability to shut down reactions in a game when so much is keyed around the power and the economy of using those reactions, the fact that you can do this psychic power in any phase, at the start of any phase, I should say, uh, in order to make that happen is really, really excellent. The ability to charge your Death Star into... A squad with some dangerous shooting, or like the ability to set for a charge to limit your or cut off your offensive power. This is really really good. Now you do have to take the check on this, but the cost benefit analysis of this is just so far on one side. There are almost no games that I can think of. uh, No. I can't think of many games that you I have ever played in which having this ability on the table wouldn't have been an extraordinary boon. It's, it's just really, really powerful. The attack ability is telepathic hallucinations, and it is a range 36, no strength, no AP, assault 6 weapon with the hallucinations special rule. Okay, hallucinations, a unit that suffers one or more hits from a weapon with this special rule, hits... Must make an immediate pinning test, adding one to the result of the roll for each hit scored by this attack before the result is decided. For example, a psyker attacks an enemy unit that has a leadership eight, scoring three hits with telepathic hallucinations, and that unit must make an immediate pinning test, add three to the result before determining the rolled result before determining it. Okay, this is nuts. You do have to roll psychic focus for this, but assault six we're assuming that we're on a basic librarian which has ballistic skill 5 it's not unexpected to believe that you will hit four or five times maybe five times take a take a pinning test on whatever unit and add 5 like that's that's wild now especially if you stack it into other legion situations or problems which are going to mess with that pinning test like let's say the sergeant's already dead or this is a night lords telepathy librarian and they're suffering from fear or something else. I mean, it it almost becomes an unpassable pinning test. This is again, pinning is really really strong in this edition. It takes a unit out of the game for its next turn, prevents it from reacting. It's just too good. It's just crazy good. Now, the telepathy, the reason why the telepathy librarian is so strong It's because it has two abilities which essentially allow it to, among other things, shut off reactions. Reactions being one of the most important new things in this game. The telepathic fugue psychic power is one that you can target at any unit. So if the librarian is going to just be in the area and wants to stop something else from reacting, then it can do so. If the librarian is going to charge or attack or interact with that opposing unit, then it can guarantee a pin, nearly guarantee a pin. I suppose it's possible, still possible to pass those, but whatever. So it has two ways to directly interact with the board and negate one squad's ability to interact. But, I mean, if it was just the weapon, just the shooting weapon, you could at least say then, well, whatever the librarian is targeting, it also has to exclusively target for the turn. That's not the case. The telepathic fugue power allows it to target something else and still charge, uh, interact with, shoot some other unit on the board at the same time. It's a really, really, really strong discipline and power. So let's go back over all of them and just kind of briefly look at like how you might grade these or what you might think of them. Again, there are more disciplines for the Legion specifics, which are going to come at a separate time when I talk about all of those other Centurions. But for now, let's just look at the six. Biomancy, the ability to adjust the strength and toughness of a unit. A plus one to any score is pretty darn powerful as it relates to the way the game works, especially considering in a game of D6 is a single plus one in certain situations is game breaking. So I'm going to give this power an A. Uh, the ability to strike in close combat with a strength 10, AP4, admittedly rending 4+. Ability, that's going to instant kill a lot of characters, whatever, but you're banking on a four plus. I'm going to give that a B. Biomancy overall, I give it a B. I think it's a fun ability. There's definitely uses for it, and it would definitely be super thematic and fluffy in like, let's say, um, a Death Guard list or a Emperor's Children list, something like that. Divination, the ability to get up to a five plus precision strike and precision shot special rule. Really cool idea in the right squad, in the right situations with that psychic check. The 6+, plus, I would not write home about that. I would not even bother raiding with that. It can only target a single friendly unit, but within 12 inches. Not bad overall. I give that power a B. Diviner's Dart, pretty cool to be able to snipe out a sergeant or another character with like a special weapon before you charge or before something else happens. But again, 18-inch range, still have to make the test. Strength six, not guaranteed. Only one wound, so it's not going to instant kill a character. I give it a B. Overall, divination also earns a B. Pyromancy. I love pyromantic combustion. I think it's just a cool idea. I love putting down blast templates. That being said, uh, strength six, AP four. You're not likely to do much other than cause some armor checks and armor saves. I don't know. You know what? I'm changing my mind. I'm going to an uh, I'm going to an A on this one. I like I like I like big pie plates. Uh, you do have to take a check for that, so we'll see. Pyromantic Desolation is a really cool power, really cool idea. Strength six auto hits on anyone around you at AP3, so you're going to kill normal bodied marines, no problem. However, because of the placement of it when it happens and uh, the ability for an opponent to maneuver around it, I'm gonna give that ability a C. Overall, I'd give Pyromancy a B to maybe a B minus. It's a fun ability. Uh, sounds cool, but uh, definitely requires a specific use. All right, telekinesis. The telekine dome is very powerful. Eight-inch bubble that you can just kind of give cover to whatever you need to, depending on what you're looking to do with it. What you have in your army, this will obviously, the mileage will vary depending on how you use it. But the opportunity for creative building and really maximizing this power, it's definitely out there. The ability to give models that don't normally benefit from armor saves some sort of invulnerable save is pretty cool as well. And, yeah, the fact that it can be deployed and then you can entirely forget about it for the rest of the game because you only have to check once so long as that model doesn't get moved or manipulated by yourself or, you know, your opponent. Solid A. Easy decision. Uh, The telekinetic weapon is so so bad. It itself deserves a C just for the fact that it's strength eight, but it doesn't have the AP to threaten infantry reliably. It doesn't have the range to be a long range effect to do something. It has sunder, but it has no AP. So it can't really do anything to vehicles and it'll wound a dreadnought, but they probably won't care. So it's a C for the power, but it's worse It has to be considered an F power when you add on to the fact that its use will disrupt the telekine dome, which is the only reason you're taking this librarian in the first place. You know what? Hey, let's cheat. If we think about negating that second power from the list, telekinesis is a solid A power, but it's a solid C if you consider the fact that it has one entirely useless power that you're probably never going to try to use. Thaumaturgy, oh, thaumaturgy, poor thaumaturgy. Thaumaturgic sucker... Has very limited applications unless you're using specific units, and those specific units have undergone specific circumstances. Also, needs more data. I'm going to give this a D. And thaumaturgic cleansing, solid F, just because it applies to a subset of models that we really don't have on the board yet. So, try again later. But telepathy, sweet, sweet telepathy. Telepathic fugue, the ability to just shut off reactions within 24 inches. It's a huge bit of distance, and uh, I guess it does require line of sight, but that's definitely a solid A. And telepathic hallucinations, guaranteeing a pinning check on something is, is also just unbelievable. A as well. Telepathy is, in fact, the clear winner from the Age of Darkness librarian psychic disciplines. Like I said, I'm going to be working on the next video, including all the other centurions, talking about the Legion-specific ones, and I will be including the psychic disciplines from those as well. Oh my gosh, after all that, I almost forgot to talk about the psychic hood, which is the war gear that the librarian can have. Any enemy model within 18 inches and in line of sight of a model with a psychic hood must reduce its leadership by two when making psychic checks. So this is a way for psychers to mess with other psychers. The model is not cumulative. And no model may suffer from penalties from more than one psychic hood. But I mean, it, it just means that if you're having a psycher duel and one of your psychers has this, then it's, you know, it's going to be costly. A minus two is a huge swing in the likelihood of passing a leadership test. Also, though, I mean it is only 18 inches, but a lot of the psychic powers that matter are going to have that relative range, be within that relative range or pretty darn close to it. So it's close enough to matter. Um, As far as the distance, it's 15 points usually, so it's not cheap. It's not free for sure, and it will only apply when there's a Psyker v Psyker sort of situation, but it's something worth looking at. Also going forward, I will be releasing a video talking about all of the Centurions now that we're done with everything, or we will be done with everything once we get the Legion-specific ones, so look for that content on YouTube as well. This next segment was recorded a couple weeks ago, and this is the final recorded game of my Beta Garmin narrative thing that I've been doing with my buddy Ben. And uh, we had a great time playing with it, so I wanted to make sure to record it for posterity and share it with all of you. So, enjoy. Alright, and I'm here with Ben for our, what will be our very last, Beta Garmin game. We're pretty excited to play this. It's been, this is, uh, sorry for the, d- the delay between episodes um i got real sick and i was waiting to feel better so i didn't sound so much like crap and now i think i'm just getting sick again anyway so we're just going through it also we're kind of on the push because it's the end of february and we got to get our february game in before beta garmin next month
1: that's right yeah hey there and updates to fans
0: yes so anyway um we are we're going to be playing uh um, the mission that i've been talking about for a while. What we ended up deciding is we're playing a variation on the Deliverance. I believe it's called Legendary Mission from Book 3 of uh, the Black Books uh, Extermination. And basically there's a 24 by 24 inch box in the center of the table that the Loyalists need to get to and stay in in order to be evac'd. This is our plan for, we've got the Mechanicum, um, we've got the Salamanders, and then we have Iron Hands allies who are going to be assisting in the evac trying to get the last of the uh, crippled Iron Warrior loyalists out of the zone, out of Beta Garmin before before it's too late. And on the other side we have the obviously finally turn uh, heel turned uh, Dark Angels and
1: the Word Bearers. That's right.
0: <laughs> who else would you expect to end up being the bad guys that end up corrupting and whatever else? So basically, um, the way we're, we're going to try to figure it out as we go, but we think our plan is that uh, we'll do progressive scoring. Every unit that is in the box at the start of the turn for the loyalists, we'll get them one point. Yeah. And then we, as long as it works out okay, we're thinking maybe three points a kill for the loyal, or the, I'm sorry, the traitors for all HQs and elites that they can kill of the loyalists. So try to assassinate the... Uh, command upper echelon. upper echelon whatever else yeah so for the dark angels i am to be running 2000 points of firewing and i think i guess i haven't i'll have to take a look at your salamanders but i know i'm going to pick the morlocks as one of the targets for the firewing assassination because it'll be good to have a plus one to wound on those guys since they'll be tough and then also, we're going to definitely target um, Threesome's Call, which is the, the tech priestess for the loyalists, because she's got to die, because this has been going on for too long. And But what's tricky here, though, of course, is that I'm playing the Dark Angels and the Mechanicum on opposite sides, and Ben is playing and the Word Bearers and the Salamanders. So we're playing together and against each other at the same time, which will be fun. We've both been playing these legions, or these groups, for uh, nine months now. With the new rules. <laughs> With the new rules, yeah. So we've been uh, building up our own little headcanon, whatever, so it's actually going to be kind of fun and agonizing to watch us kill ourselves. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. So what are you, do you have any predictions on the game before we get started?
1: Uh, it's going to be bloody. Yes. Um, I hope my um, fire drakes can earn their points. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The fire drakes have had our struggle. Are they walking? Yeah. Well, oh. one squad's walking, one squad's in the Proteus. Okay. Um, so, you know, if they can get to grips with something, that's... Right. Yeah, that's good, but... Well, and I mean, everything's going to have to come to the center of the
0: board, so exactly. it, it seems like they probably will be able... Hopefully, they can be able to manage that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I was noticing on my way over here, and then we've been talking about as we've been setting up this morning, is the fact that the trader lists are things that we've been working on more seriously for yeah. a while, <laughs> so they might be a little bit more tuned, and the loyalist lists are just sort of like fun, fluffy, like, you know... So we'll see uh, We'll see how one holds up against the other. Yeah. But uh, we'll come back and give you an update after turn one. When I edit this, I'm going to make sure there's a really stupid, like, really, really stupid gong sound or something in between the turns. You like that? All right. All right, we kicked the kids out of the basement for a minute <laughs> so we can do a little discussion about turn one. Yep. Going pretty well so far. Yeah,
1: uh, the loyalists kicked it off pretty well.
0: Yeah, the uh, loyalists, uh, the salamanders, the whirlwind, the Scorpius. Yeah, the Scorpius was really gross, really effective, and took out half of
1: half my heavy support squad for the word bearers. Yeah. Yep.
0: And so then, and then I, my uh, Mirbanans took out the other half. Yep. Which honestly is good because that was one thing I was really concerned about. Our list didn't have much as far as long range shooting, and no pinning to speak of. Yeah. So, like, they were either going to kill the heck out of us or um, we were going to have to kill them. So, although my terrible plasma saving (laughs) on myself, like, I I, I killed uh, two
1: of that squad by myself or almost. Yeah, you did more damage to your own squad than uh, my return fire. did.
0: Yes. Yes. Correct. (laughs) Um, What else has been going on? oh the champion almost ate it
1: yeah yeah he took a bunch of sniper shots to the face so
0: that was one of the things the uh the dark angels list that i've been running you know using seekers and we both have recon marines on the trader side and just plinking out characters and whatever and we almost took out that champion right away um but we'll see i'm 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 leaning right now towards thinking the uh the loyalists have a bit of an advantage right now uh, with that big loss of that tactical squad, and then the fact that we miscounted our points, and there was a dre- too many dreadnoughts on the table for the traders. Yeah, <laughs> so it definitely changes the scope of the battle. But we'll have to see what comes next.
1: Yeah, I mean, once the melee in the middle starts, um, yeah, that'll it's really determine be things. A big deal.
0: One of the things that uh, I'm I'm bringing a <clears throat> I've got a squad of Morlocks, and they are of course tough as nails with battle hardened one. And then they've got the natural minus one strength towards being shot at. So they're pretty tough. Uh, however, one thing that's really good at just uh, high toughness or durable um, you know, units is rules with instant death. Mm, yeah. So there's an inevitable front confrontation coming down between the Deathwing companions on the traitor side and the uh, Morlocks on the loyalist side. And that's probably going to happen this turn or if not next turn. Yeah. We'll have to see. Two or three for sure. Yeah. But anyway... We'll come back to you after turn two. All right. So this time we're back at the end of turn two. Uh, there are even more kids over at the house now, so it's extra loud, but whatever <laughs> folks. What a turn two. What a turn two. It, was. Turn two it was. <laughs> was that took us quite a long time. Uh, for Turn one was of course done really fast. Yeah. And then we got into melee and now it's gross. Yep. But man, what a turn two it was. Yeah. The,
1: uh, I mean, Top of turn two went pretty quick for the yeah. loyalists getting up into yeah. the space. Um, did a lot of shooting. Yeah, didn't have any charges though because we killed off everything that was within charge range.
0: Right. So yeah, we set up. We set up some charges which we didn't end up needing, but we did. Yeah, we did demolish a lot of stuff. Yeah,
1: we got the uh, Leviathan off the board. took yep. Took out most of one of my big tactical squads.
0: Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, the, uh, the turn two for the traders so far, has been lacking.
1: I mean, they did take off, they picked up two whole squads.
0: Yeah, that's true. But so, they weren't. Yeah, my um my outflanking um Enigmatis Cabal squads did take out a Breacher squad and a Tactical squad. Yeah, because of sweeping advances. But because of mostly because they yeah, have beating combat and then both of them swept in combat. But yeah. still, like, now their cheese is just in the wind,
1: mm-hmm. ready to get burned down.
0: Yeah. Also, hilariously. Is that is that squad gone? Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, the Scorpius. Yeah, you, you came out. Scorpius hit him with the Wall of Death from the pindle mounted Dragon's yeah. Breath heavy flamer, and then returned fire second reaction in the second phase and just burned him the rest of the way out.
0: So what I had been doing lately is um, using Recon Marines with the Dark Angels and putting them in an outflank strike, and giving them melt bombs and then just run up on a tank and they tag something and they and they wreck it. Well, Ben knew this, and um put a dragon's what is it it's
1: a dragon's breath heavy pinto mounted dragon's breath heavy flamer because yeah <laughs> in, in previous games it's been in the wind if it doesn't do its job and so yeah. it gets in on the backfield he's just helpless can't return fire can't overwatch can't anything but so
0: talk about a good a good adjustment for your meta
1: oh heck yeah right
0: <laughs> but um that's silly that's silly flamer um so the, the biggest thing too was the fact that um i mean i guess it didn't matter because you killed it on the reaction anyhow. Yeah. But um, that squad rolled a double one for its charge anyway, so yeah. they would have been shot to death the next turn no matter what. For sure. But
1: but hit rolling the uh, the six on the d six for that wall of death with the dragon's breath is nuts. Is, it's a lot. It's huge. Yeah. Um, the big thing, well, especially for targeting small
0: squads, exactly. Because you know, I mean, you should be able to to, to weather six hits in a bigger squad but when there's only five guys or two guys at that point then yeah you're screwed um the big thing here is that the outflank assault has not had as much of an impact as it needed to have to help out the traitors and so now they're about to face a lot of pain yeah um and they don't even need we don't even need to charge those guys we can shoot them but the also, talk about the, the Fire Raptors. Or not Fire Raptors. The Fire Drakes, yeah. The Fire Drakes just did.
1: Yeah, we held the right flank uh, completely. We took three squads of Wordbearers charging into us, mm-hmm. including the um, Ashen Circle, and just tanked all of it. We lost one guy. Yeah. Uh, and our Praetor took out the word bearers Praetor. Mm-hmm. He, he took a few hits on the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are in a good spot to yeah. come back and see if they can't just stomp the rest of those guys off the board.
0: It's been a pretty bad run for the Traders this turn. Bad luck. Less than effective targeting. A lot of failed leadership A lot tests. of failed leadership tests, too. But then, like, you know, basically going into our... So it's it's about to be top of three, and the, tr- the Loyalists are going to have a go. I mean, honestly, I really doubt we'll need to play this out past turn three. Probably not. Because there won't be much left. The Traders are going to need... To survive this shooting, which I don't know that they can, yeah. and they will need to, to uh, pick apart a few of the high value targets. The one benefit, the one good thing they have going for them right now, is that the Dark Angels were able to wreck the land raider that had the Morlocks in it, and the Morlocks got pinned as a result. So the fight you know, the pretty souped up uh, five man Morlock squad is stuck and standing I think they're there.
1: They're in to get sniped again too.
0: Maybe, yeah. Uh, They could get sniped again, um, but basically, it really depends. You've got a fire Drake squad over there. Yes. Another one. They're gonna come up and and defend. Yeah. And so I've got I've got my Deathwing um, uh, companions that are going to want to do something, but they're gonna get charged. Yeah. And so it really depends. I mean this this next turn will be real bloody. Um, They're gonna have to do a lot of work. Yeah. It's gonna be tough. So. Both All sides
1: right. have a lot to do.
0: Both sides do have a lot to do, but I think the loyal I mean, it would take a lot for the loyalists to lose at this point, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, I think like.
1: they're going to make it off.
0: Yeah. How many... We, we, we scored, what, they had 10 victory points? Yep, at the start? The yeah. Start. Yeah. So, turn. And, and we decided also, after seeing how badly the traders are doing, that we're going to give victory points for every squad destroyed, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, thing. like, one point maybe? Like, two. One, two. I think okay. two
1: because of the scoring potential of what we have set up. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it makes sense to do two for squads eliminated. If the loyalists are getting one for everybody, in got zone it. Stop at the top of the turn.
0: Well, even with that very generous pointing, uh, the uh, loyalists are winning ten to four at this point. Yeah. So, uh, turn three, here we come. Let's hope something happens. Yep. Oh, hold on. Where's my beer? <laughs> barely
1: any
0: left okay we're back um earlier than we thought we'd be
1: uh halfway through turn three right yeah yep that was just the top of turn three loyalists came out swinging
0: yeah so um we decided after uh we decided to end it because uh things basically just went really really badly um so from one side to the other, your Scorpius, um, the the Scorpius that not only killed most of or half of a heavy support squad, then killed a recon squad that was coming after it, yep, and then killed um, half of the Deadwing companion or dre- uh, I'm sorry, not Deathwing companions. um...
1: Easily the most work it's done in any game I've taken it in.
0: Yeah. You know what? Honestly, you had a couple of units that were just... that. That You could say that about that and a couple of units. Because those yeah. fire drakes...
1: Yeah, my fire... Oh, my God. The fire drakes did so good this game. They just they stepped in and cleaned up the mm-hmm. Deathwing Companions. Mm-hmm. Um, just tore through them. Yep. Um, and, yeah. And then on the other side of the board, the Praetor with his dra- uh, fire drakes... Yeah. Tanked to those three squads and just... Ground him into the dirt.
0: Yeah. And admittedly, like, there was nothing over there that was, like, super offensive, powerful. I mean, the Ashton Circle, weight... you yeah.
1: should normally, would normally take out more of that squad.
0: What is the, what's the AP on the Ashton Circle weapons? Three. Okay.
1: But they, they're still wounding on threes. Yeah. So once you get past the weapon skill and the weight of attacks normally would go harder in their favor. Yeah. But they did better in their saves than they normally do, and...
0: Yeah, I've never seen honestly. Like, I've played against your your I fire lost drakes. So many ones. Yeah, and their
1: armor saves most of the time.
0: Well, and I mean, like, I think yeah, it's just it was just a different different situation. Yeah. Um, the MVP for the traitors, for me, for the Dark Angel side anyway, are the Enigmatic Cabal. Um, did a lot of work.
1: Yeah,
0: they did. Um, they ended up surviving to the end of the game. They beat up. Yeah, they what is that our, artificer
1: squad? They, they took out my Breachers, and they took out. My a tactical squad. Tactical squad and they um, were and then they were chewing into the um pyroclasts.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, but they they were like the mo- that was like the most successful thing that happened on the entirety of the trader side. Yeah. We just exactly. had nothing that went well otherwise.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean the uh, Culverins got taken out right off the bat. They didn't get a chance to do anything. Yep. Um and then my tactical squads just absorbed fire. Yeah. Uh, which they did well. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they
0: ate, they ate, I mean there was just a lot more firepower I guess than I thought. The so, Seal we basically in my opinion there were okay the scorpius yeah but then other than that all the myrmidons they did great that did fantastic and then the between them and the fire drakes yeah we had like two very difficult to shift uh sections of the battlefield and the the, the myrmidons were hilarious to me as well because i had those destroyers mm-hmm. um that with and i gave them radiation engines um they killed most of a tactical squad unit yeah they wiped out the rest of uh, your Volkite Culverin squad, and then at the end they were just getting punched in the face by that Maragall dreadnought. Yeah. But they, he couldn't instant kill them, so yep. they were just hanging out.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So, and then I mean everything else was just kind of dying to fire drakes. Yep. On either side of that. Yeah. Um. So the end was score. So let's say it like this. Because we, you know, we were trying out this mission, trying to see how we would play it, how we would like it, and it definitely needs to be tweaked. Oh God, yes. Um, but if we went with every unit that you get in the zone or have in the zone at the start of the game, um, it would have been uh, nineteen points.
1: Yeah.
0: And then <laughs> at, the top of turn at the top of turn three, and then we would have done, uh. And then although the traders only had like what, four, four points because they had wiped out points
1: per squad they killed off. Yeah, because they wiped out two squads. We'd have gotten to six. Yeah, um, at the end there. Yeah, or, yeah, that's it.
0: Now, if we had done it just like the scoring was what's on the in the zone at the end of the game, the loyalists still would have won, right?
1: Yeah, I mean if we played it all the way to five, I don't see how the traders would have killed picked yeah. up enough to. No. To take him out at no. that point. No. It was just too much hard targets.
0: And on top of that, also, uh, because I was playing Firewing and we failed to kill even a single one of the Firewing uh, Serpent's Bane targets, the Loyalists got a free nine victory points from that, also. Yep. Just so spiking
1: the ball at that point. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I guess um, I'm glad about how it went, honestly, because. It was a fun game. It was a very fun game. And, I mean, this is the narrative that we've been building for. We've been building since August. Yeah. And um, the Salamanders have been there right from the beginning trying to aid, um, you know, the Mechanicum and their Iron Warriors friends.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, honestly, this is good because I wasn't planning on bringing the Dark Angels to Adepticon anyway. <laughs> and considering that they just got wiped from the planet, basically all that was left for the Dark Angels were those enigmatic squads. Yeah. enigmatis Cabal. Um, one squad of Recon Marines. Yep. And then like half a squad of Seekers and then the Praetor. Yep. So they hightail it back to Caliban to wait for the lion to come and just, you know, cause holy heck there. Um, Very, very clearly realizing that the word bearer's promise of aid is sort of uh, limp-wristed considering... Uh,
1: we promised to aid Caliban, we Promised to aid Cal- you.
0: Okay, all right, fair enough. It's a demon world. It's a demon world now. That's a good point. Okay. <laughs> We're
1: going to make good on that promise. <laughs> wink, wink.
0: Wink, wink, right. <laughs> um. so yeah so I guess um. All of you, any of you listeners who are going to be going to Adepticon you can see our Mechanicum mm-hmm. and Salamanders forces because that's what we're taking oh, yeah. it, tag I mean, team. It's, it's defined now we have yeah. to do the tag team together yeah, now absolutely. right okay. I love it alright so we're doing Salamanders and Mechanicum at tag team and then we'll also see see you all at the Push for Beta Garmin event I'll on be, Friday night I'll be
1: bringing my word bears for that you so. are bringing
0: your word bears for that yeah. awesome
1: I've got like eight lists for them i got to narrow it down I'm going to be bringing,
0: I'm going to be bringing Iron Hands and the, uh, um, Mechanicum. And, which is funny though, for those of you who are listening at home, yes, I have a full Iron Hands list now after weeks and months of me bashing on them. That's fine.
1: I mean, all you got to do is paint them now. Fortunately, it's a pretty simple scheme.
0: Fortunately, it's a pretty simple scheme. (laughs) Um, we're going to be going for a, so I figured, uh, the, uh, we're playing them at, uh, Beta Garmin 3. Yeah.
1: We got less than a month.
0: We have less than a month? Less than a month. No problem. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> I've got to go, I've got a spring break vacation and there a grading go. period in between now and then. So, I'll have plenty of time. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Good job, everybody. And, uh, thanks for listening. See you all at Adepticon. See you there. Yeah, the gong is life. Well, anyway, um, I want to thank you very much for listening through to the end of another episode. Um, I really want to thank everyone who's been supporting the channel, uh, leaving kind messages, sending emails, whatever. i uh, let you, make you aware of the fact that there is a link in the comments below for my Shopify page. I am, I mean, I've got like, what, a coffee cup and one shirt on there but just trying to explore different ways to try to get a little bit of revenue going to pay for data storage for the podcast, um, to say nothing of like, I don't know, microphones and other stuff. Um, But anyway, it's available there um, and uh, it would be really great. Thank you so much. Hope to see you at Adepticon. Um, It is Wednesday, March 8th, as I finish putting the final touches on this episode, and in one week and one, no, wait, no, it's not true, in two weeks and one night, I will be at Adepticon, and hopefully I see some of you there. Um, If you do, uh, make sure to say hi. I'd love to meet you listeners at Adepticon. We've got a family vacation next week, the 1st big family vacation uh, my little family has ever done so you know send good vibes that that goes well uh, traveling with children through an airport but I will be out of action during that time and I'm hoping to drop one more episode Uh, maybe I'll get fancy and drop it the Tuesday before Adapticon or something but I hope you're all well and uh, hopefully talk to you and maybe even see some of you very soon take care